Be prepared. It's the 60 Minute Dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. From Studio A at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, it is the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. Well, guys, it's an interesting week in the NFL as last week has set up a bunch of clinching scenarios and different ways teams can go. We're going to talk about the college football final as it's Notre Dame, Clemson, it's Oklahoma, it's Alabama, and they're all playing to get to Atlanta. But first, we have to start with the miserable football teams of New York as the Jets and Giants both turned in ridiculous losses. Let's let's be clear and cut about it. Both these are ridiculous losses in games that a competent football team would have won. Oh, you brought back the word, but I'm so glad that you used that because the Giants easily could have wrapped up and spoiled uh, Indianapolis's chances of possibly making it into the playoffs. However, they come up short in this game with not one, not two, but multiple issues and mistakes that aren't just physical mistakes, but they're mental errors that deteriorate a progressing offense, defense, team all around. Late in this game where they had the game in their fingertips and they just let it go on multiple occasions. And this is what we've seen week in and week out with this team. And these are the things that they're going to have to address going into this offseason. Especially, uh, even though they don't know, you know, the situation at quarterback next year. We've talked about that plenty of times. But that now it, we're dwindling in at the end of the season. Um, and the Giants officially ruled themselves out of contention. So right now, what they're looking at is a year in review. And that's yes. who I think we need to address right now on the show. So let's talk, let's talk about this. And I think this game kind of uh, showed you some of the problems with the New York Giants. And one of the problems was Saquon Barkley did not have a Saquon Barkley-type game. And you saw the Giants they just didn't recover. I mean, Eli Manning had a couple of deep balls to Shepard. And he got they, he threw for a couple touchdown passes, but you see the the problems with Eli Manning and why people are getting frustrated with him as the quarterback of the Giants. Is at the end of the game, he made a dumb decision throwing the ball over the middle. He's made this mistake three or four times this year, and it's cost the Giants dearly every single time. The Giants overall, there's problems. They can't fool themselves into thinking that they're five and two since the bye, so they they have a shot. They th- they can't think like that. They have to understand that this isn't working. This team that they have, this core of players, they need to move on. And you need to build around young players like Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Landon Collins. You got to get Landon Collins back. But the bigger picture is that people are not talking about is the defense. How many times does this defense give up chunk plays? How many times does this defense commit a penalty? How many times do they give up a late touchdown? They gave, they gave up a late touchdown to throw a game away this week. And like you saw in Philadelphia, they were up 19-3. to They couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half. And it, it shot them in the foot multiple times. This defense has been tasked with a big spot, and they never come through. They never come through with the big turnover. They've gotten turnovers this year, but not at a premium. They've never given their offense a real short field to work with. And it shows. It shows. And let's go back to the few games that they did win uh, earlier in the year when they started winning games. It was against teams that, you know, 
didn't have a competitive offense that can come back from being behind. And what the Giants do well is they can manipulate a game and put it in their hands in the first half and, you know, come away with a big early lead. But like you said, this defense has failed to play four quarters of any game this year, and good teams with good quarterbacks in Andrew Luck, the Indianapolis Colts is a very good team that we were not expecting this year. They did what they had to do, and they it was against a team that struggles to stop those plays. And it's become imminent that this defense is the number one target for correction this offseason. Now, I I, I think one of the things you need to address are your cornerbacks. I don't really think the Giants, because they have Janoris Jenkins, but if you ask me, he hasn't had the best overall season. I think they need to address the cornerbacks. And what do they do with Olivier Vernon? Do they bring him back? Because he's been injured, and when he's played, he hasn't necessarily been the best. What do they do? They can't stop the run either. I mean, they got rid of Snacks Harrison. There's just there's too many question marks on this defense for them to fool themselves again to say we can do this because I think that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer understand where this team is going and if they're going to if they're going to try to retool this thing and get back in it for next year I'm sorry it might not be the smartest of ideas because the way the Giants are set up now you have an offensive line that can't protect. I know they played better, but still, you look at the whole season. You don't look at the last couple games. They can't protect. Outside of really a couple targets, I think they need a little bit more wide receiver depth. They still have had struggles with dropped passes. I think Sterling Shepard's a nice guy. Evan Ingram is giving me too many question marks. Odell Beckham, he's been in, he's been a little injury prone the last couple years. That's not even talking about his off-the-field issues. I think that you could still build around these couple guys. But you need more there. And we've talked about the defense. I think that there's way too much to fix there for you to say that I can go into this. And then, of course, the overlapping question of who's going to be the quarterback next year. Do you go back in with Eli Manning? Because I think that this year is probably the best year to cut your losses with Eli Manning. Because you tried it again. He got a couple wins. Just get, just move on now. Make him go out as an all-time giant. Don't go out right now as the, like we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You don't want to flame out. You want to go out with some sort of dignity left. It's, it's hard to see a superstar like Eli Manning is in New York. You don't want to see him trying to crawl to stay in the league. You don't want that. You want to treat him with the utmost respect. But it comes to a certain point where you have to move on. Word came out a couple hours ago that uh, one of the top guys, quarterback positions that the Giants were looking into in Justin Herbert of Oregon, he had opted out of the NFL draft. So the overlying question of who's quarterback next year is still going to be a huge question mark. I but think I want to go back to a rookie that we had this year on the topic of year in review. One guy that I like to see, and I mentioned him earlier in the um, – even in the football preview when we were talking about standout guys or Lorenzo Carter. Carter and he he's done pretty well for himself on this team despite all the struggles overall but I think that he's gonna have a bright future and there's a lot that you can take out of this man and what he's done for this team it now this needs to carry over into next year and I think it, all of this falls back onto Pat Shermer because he wasn't 
you know, the golden uh, bell here this no, season. No, he's definitely had his coaching mistakes. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's not free of criticism. He's definitely Absolutely. open to it. I think everybody on this team is open to it. Now, he... Like you said, you got knows, you got a player he, you got a player like Lorenzo Carter. You have a couple of young guys, but overall the Giants are stuck in a in a weird position right now. Of they don't have a quarterback, their defense isn't that good, they have an offensive line that's a problem. They're you're gonna get a top ten pick. So they're in a nice spot there. But who do they go out and who do they bring in to solve these problems? I think that's what we need to look at because overall, you said a year in review. Fine. Let's let's look at the year in review. I've seen blown leads. I've seen coaching mistakes. I've seen inconsistent play because you see the Giants put up forty plus points on the Redskins and then go out and again and lay a duck at home against the Titans. And again, I think this one hundred percent falls back on Pat Shermer. So the big the biggest turnaround that you could get starts with him and how he bounces back from a season like this, uh, being below five hundred team with great players. If he can come back next year and fix all the um, coaching mistakes that he made, you know, because there's games where he made Eli Manning look like the Hall of Fame Eli Manning that we all know and love. But it's so inconsistent where it just seems like a pop out. Yes. In a way, because there's other games where Eli Manning just looks like he's never played a football game in his life. So if you if he can address his issues... I think it'll trickle down to what comes next. And what you also have to look at is what the Giants have this year that they can use, you know, as centerpieces. So you have guys like Melvin Ingram. You guys have guys like Sterling Shepard, who Sterling Shepard and Eli Manning had a great QB to receiver connection this year. And I think you need that in all your receivers. It can't just be a one-on-one guy. That's, how you get into trouble. You can't have a favorite as a quarterback. And I think that was the problem this year with the absence of Odell Beckham. But with that, we saw how well that the, those two played with each other. So I think if you can address that issue, I think, you know, next year, this offense, you know, really needs to spread the ball out more. And you see, the Giants have proved to you one thing, and the Colts did it, and the Titans did it. They focused 100% in on stopping Saquon Barkley. They stopped Saquon Barkley, and the Giants had no response for it. Because the Giants, listen, they put together a couple of nice drives. But when you're playing a team that's going to go to the playoffs, a couple of nice drives, it doesn't do it for me. You have to go out, and you need to finish drives. If you're going to go up there, and you're going to go get three points, like when the Colts made it 24-21, they got the ball back, they got three points out of it. When you get the ball back, you have to kill the other team. You have to put them down. You have to go up and you have to score. And then even then, the Giants got the ball back after the Colts scored a touchdown. And another thing about this game is that the Giants almost had a turnover, but it was taken away upon review. Because I believe it was forward progress. That they, no, that was the Saquon Barkley fumble that was taken away from forward progress. The referees had a whole whole weird afternoon in this game. I know we weren't really talking about the game itself, but the referees really, really, really with the review, it just it frustrates me. that The referees have way too much control over these games, but that's not why the Giants lost this game overall. The Giants lost this game because inability to come up in a big spot. Like I was saying, 
They had the ball back with about what forty five seconds left. Fifty five, I believe. Yeah, they, they got a couple less than a minute. They got like two or three first downs. They got two first downs, I think. And they're moving the ball, and they're coming along. And then Eli throw. Listen, I love Eli Manning, but he threw a dumb, 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 dumb pass. interception. And that, and like I said before, he's done that multiple times. I just think that. That basically summed up the Giants' season. Just the inconsistency of the team itself is just too much. And the Giants, they can't fool themselves. I, pro- that, that I promise you, Giant fans, football fans, do not, do not sell yourself on that they played well coming out of the bye. They are, this team is not good enough to compete for a Super Bowl next year. Remember, this is basically the same team that they had last year. Well, same type of team, same core of players. They didn't have a lot of players coming back. But this team needs to look themselves in the mirror, and they need to go other directions. And right now, the things that you should be looking at, you should be looking at this heavy defensive draft. You should be looking at some nice middle-of-the-pack free agents because the Giants don't have the most cap space in the world, to say the least, because they're still paying Eli. They gave a lot of money to Odell Beckham. They have a lot of money to be paid to, th- to their current roster. So... The Giants are in that situation that is the middle of the pack in the NFL, and that's the toughest place to be. Listen, you made a great point with the last play, last drive of the game. And because this is your interview, and for those Giant fans that still believe in AI, how about you take a look at this? With that last drive and that interception, the old Eli that we know, the last time he played at Lucas Oil Stadium, he was not throwing that ball, and he led that team to a uh, Super Bowl. So that's your difference right there. That's how you know it's time to let him go. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. But don't go away, because we still have to talk about the other New York team. And later in our show, some Week 17 roundup and who may be getting into the playoffs, who might not, and also a college football playoff coming at you on the 60 Minute Dash. Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot edit and post videos you become a pretty hot commodity that's the training you get at connecticut school of broadcasting connecticut school of broadcasting with locations up and down the east coast from massachusetts to miami call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to gocsb.com connecticut school of broadcasting the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools redefining training in radio tv and new media get trained get connected 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. You got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Going. I thought so. That was hot. That was warm up. We're warming up. Going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. You're listening to 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We are back, Hunter, and we're going to talk about the New York Jets. Joy. The dreadful season that we had. We're going to talk about their year in review, but one thing I want to get off my chest because I'm so relieved that Todd Bowles set foot in MetLife Stadium for the last time this weekend and what we hope was his last time. I never want to see him again in that building on the Jets' sideline ever. But 
One thing T-Bow. is for sure about the New York Jets and is that I, Nick Paolucci, believe in my Sam Darnold to be our franchise quarterback because from what I've seen in this kid, especially in the second half of this season, has been remarkable from a 21-year-old. And it's a little bit uplifting to know as a Jet fan that we have something. We have something to work with right now. And with some good coaching, better coaching for sure, and, you know, just a few more pieces put into place on this offense. It'll be a high-caliber offense that can produce maybe 24 to 28 points a game, which is very well in the NFL. What do you think? You know, I think year in review for the New York Jets is very simple. Uh, year in review is that Donald struggled. Uh, he got hurt. He saw the game slow down for him because he saw how Josh McCown prepared for each game. He saw how Josh McCown played in each game. And he came back, and he just lit the world on fire. And right now, he's... Since his return, he has the best quarterback stats of any quarterback in the NFL. He had a game yesterday, no no interceptions, three t- – well, not yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm, so, this past I'm so used to uh, us recording the show on Monday. It's actually Wednesday right now. We it had a, Christmas Eve kind of screwed us up. Merry, but, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas for the 60-minute dash. But Darnold on Sunday, 340 yards, right? Three touchdowns. And overall, he didn't miss too many guys by a lot. No. On his incomplete passes. And he was fitting balls into tight windows that he knew that he could make. But here's the thing that he changed. He wasn't trying to do too much anymore. He actually threw the ball away. That's like the best part about his game right now. Is that he, when he played that game in Miami and he threw those bad interceptions, that's because he was trying to do too much with a single play. He didn't understand the fact of live to fight another down. And that to me is the biggest change with him. Now, the rest of the year in review... It falls on Darnold. Darnold, right now, he looks like that he has the centerpiece. He's the centerpiece. And Todd Bowles is going to be gone. Okay? He had another pitiful showing this week. He allowed his team to commit 16 penalties. Granted, some of the penalties were a little loose. like For 172 Jam- yards. Jamal lost. Jamal Adams in the end zone. That was not pass interference. Trust me, I know. A couple of the holding calls were a little bogus. But overall, Todd Bowles, the last two weeks, has shown you why exactly he's just a lost puppy when he's coaching this New York Jets football team. So this makes he holds two franchise records for two categories that you do not want to have. Number one was being the first head coach to have three, three consecutive ta- ten loss seasons, right? Yes, yes. And he also carried a team with the most recorded penalty yards in franchise history. Yeah, Let because- that sink in because we—that's the number one thing we talked about every week with the Jets was their lack of discipline, and you know the override of penalties it's it was countless and countless penalties the, the, the worst the worst part about it wasn't just the penalties it was the pre-snap penalties that were the problem how many false starts how many how many offsides and he didn't and take then, care of it. and then the he un- did not take care of and it. then the undisciplined penalties of you know roughing the passer Leonard Williams is certainly a victim of that I mean this passer this roughing the passer penalty that they got this week was ridiculous that was not roughing the passer I mean what did the NFL become it's a disgrace but overall he has just let too many players get away with too much. You know, Muhammad Wilkerson showing up late to almost every meeting that he was a part of. Not being ready for the Bill game in 2015. Losing the locker room in 2016. 2017 getting pats on the back for going 5-11. and Blowing leads. Not, not even playing against Denver. They forgot that that game even happened. This year, they were 1-3. and They got back to 3-3. and And you thought that, hey, maybe they can go on a run. No, they just, they shoot themselves in the foot too many times. And again, this defense, 
The Jets were up 35-17, to and they blew it. How many times have the Jets blown leads? Anyway, I'm getting on a Todd Bowles rant. Listen, this is your interview. He's going to be gone, but it's time to look towards the future with the Jets. Here's the thing with the Jets. The Jets have the quarterback. They have a young, talented quarterback that people want to work with. He is showing that people want to work with him. Two, they have the cap space. Hundreds of They have $100 million in cap space. They can do a lot with that. The only problem is they need a wide receiver, and there's no real blow-you-out-of-the-water wide receivers in this free agent class. And three, this is very important. The Jets have guaranteed themselves a top-five draft pick. That's a lot for an incoming coach. And right now, if you are Mike McCarthy, if you're any big-time head coach looking for a job, this might be the place. And honestly, I'm for McCarthy coming to the Jets. I am too. And I think that, you know, with his resume, it'll definitely carry over into a winning culture, sort of. Not that the Jets have a winning culture, but they're a team that's hungry to win. You know, there's a lot of young talent on this team. Besides Sam Darnold, you got, you know, Marcus May, Jamal Adams. These guys are going to want to come back next year and play for this team and play hard. And, and it'll be important for to have the dressed, you know, a guy like Mike McCarthy to come in here and be like, guys, this is how a winning team does this and that. You know, this is what we're going to do to, you know, become the better team in this division. You know, now everyone's tired of seeing the Pats on the top yes. of the list. And if there's a team to take over right now, the Dolphins are a mess. The Dolphins don't even know what the heck is going on over there. They're, they have the worst quarterback situation in the league. And we didn't talk about this with the Giants, but Tannehill is going to be a free agent. And Tannehill is one of the targets that could be in the Giants QB search. But overall, that helps the Jets because as bad as, as not so good as Tannehill is because he's an average quarterback, the Dolphins have a horrible quarterback situation. The Bills look like they're a couple years away. They don't seem like they have the offense ready to take over. And you see the Patriots. They're just, they're on the back end of their dynasty. And right now, if you're the, if you are a coach looking, and this is a this is a very desirable landing spot, but one thing that we need to talk about is Mike McCagnin and what he has done. Because overall, if you look at his four year tenure, there's a lot of there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. You know the the throwing the money at Darrell Rivas, the Antonio Cromartie. Don't forget about that. The first year when he brought back Crow and Darrell. 2016, you know, it just it went wrong, okay? 20, 20, uh, 2017, he tore it down, okay? 2018, here he is. But here's what he's done so far. He's had good draft picks. Like, let's not forget, Chris Herndon, good draft pick. Well, to he this made point. it a remarkable catch this Sunday. Yes, uh, he did. Sunday. He's showing you that he's a player. Now, he drafted people like Jamal Adams. I understand that he fell to his lap, but you still got to make the pick. Marcus May, the question's still out there, but he's good when he plays. He signed Avery Williamson. He all, but here's some of the bad. He signed Tremaine Johnson, who has been a bust so far, but he's definitely a better player. I hope that he has a better season next year. He drafted guys like Ardarius Stewart. You know, he's gone. Sharon Peak, who was supposed to be something. He's now just a special teams plug. Uh, what's the get? Chad, Chad Hansen. I heard a lot of stuff about Chad Hansen, but nothing ever came of it. But then again, you go back to the good. He got guys like Elijah McGuire in here. 
You just there's a lot of there's a mixed bag, and in your opinion, has he done enough to keep his job? Well, you see, you mentioned a lot of good names and a you know couple of the things that you know you turn your head at, and I think with McCagnan right now, um, he's gonna keep his job. That's just because the, yeah, I think I that's agree. the itinerary of the Woody Johnson. You know what he's trying to do. I think that, I think he presented if, the plan, but this and is, they're buying this it. This is like almost like a last straw scenario because you know all these things are falling into place. Now you got to go out and connect the dots. Yes, you need to so, fill, you need to use this money wisely and the draft pick wisely because you need to win next year, especially if you're getting a new coach. Like, let's say they bring McCarthy in here, you need to give him guys to win with. And another reason why McCagnan might have won his job back. Listen, I know it's a little bit of consolation, but the Jets are in every single game. I just think the coaching staff struggles to complete the games. Well, like I said with the Giants, you know, it all falls back on the coaching staff. And, you know, everybody's pointing the fingers at Todd Bowles. You know, a lot of these players are defending him, but, you know, you can't really back it up because you've seen how many miscues are, have happened to this team where they have games in the palm of their hands and they just let it get ripped right out because their inability to execute. The execution, you know, you hear Todd Bowles saying it all the time, but in a way he's right. The only difference is Todd Bowles didn't address these issues because he wasn't a coach for these teams. He didn't, you know, back these guys up and, you know, own up to his mistakes and be like, all right, guys, this is what we did wrong. Now we got to go out and do it this way. You know, that didn't happen this year because there is a lot of good that came out of this team and it just didn't, they didn't finish. Now, there was you, no finishing that happened. And you see the potential for, there. That's the, that's the most frustrating piece of this is that the potential is there. They have the strong, they have a strong defense. It just, sure. it just folds in the most crucial point of the game and the special teams. This is another plus for McCagnan. He ca- I understand that maybe he's a coaching choice. So maybe I should give T. Bowles a little bit of credit, but I don't like to give him credit. Jason Myers has been a great kicker. He struggled the last two weeks, but he's been a great kicker. Andre Roberts has been one of the best return men, probably the best return men in football. And the punt game, they don't really have too many bad punts, so a lot of credit to Lachlan Edwards on that front. The, The special teams has just been one of the best in the league. So you have to give Mike McCagnan a little bit of credit there for bringing these guys in. Yes, I agree. And, you know, this last game against the Packers at home is a great display of your year in review where the Jets come out hot. They're, you know, this team has a great offense. They were up 14 nothing before you could even blink. The Packers have a great offense. They never really had a good defense. You know, they have some it, troubles inside the locker room because, you know, Mike, McCa- uh, Mike McCarthy's gone. But then, you know... You let the game slip away from you. It was ter- it was so frustrating to see. Now, Darnold had the great game. That's what you saw the rest of the year. That's the plus. We'll put that to that plus side. Then you have the defense giving up a season record 540 yards. That's the minus. Now where now you have to look into that. Aaron you know, Rodgers put it put it uh, put it under the microscope and see like what it what needs to be fixed here. You know, it's a great way of seeing like what you're going into 2019 with. Now. I say the Jets and Giants have the most similar need. And you want to know what that need is? Pass rush. A pass rusher. The Giants, like I said, Olivier Vernon. Do you bring him back? The Jets. Who is their edge rusher? 
Exactly. It's vacant. It's vacant. Right now, right now, the Jets' defensive line, I like Steve McClendon up the middle. I think Leonard Williams is one of the most overrated players in the NFL. I think that, you know, the life of the big cat, I've had enough of hearing that name because how about the big cat makes a big, a big play? play? I've had enough of the big cat, all right? The defensive, the defensive rush right now can be solved by two things. You want to hear my two things? One, you spend your money. You go out and get Jadavian Clowney. Put him in green and white. Wouldn't he look good in green and white? I think he would. Get Jadavian Clowney. And then on the other side, if you can, draft Nick Bosa. And some people say he has the potential to be better than his brother Joey Bosa. Listen, if he was the same player as Joey Bosa, I would take him. But he has all this potential, all this hype. And if you do those two things, you, the most two the two most important <laughs> parts of the, te- of the game the guy who throws the ball, and then you got to get people who gets the guy who throws the ball. It's a it, that's the key to a big turnaround. And I think you know what the biggest thing is that I saw out of this game I, uh, is that the Jets had a three and a half percent chance of losing on Sunday at yeah. one point, and they lost. They were up thirty-five twenty. So thirty-five seventeen. With, I think with that going into twenty nineteen, the pieces are there. You just have to. Find a coach that can deliver wins for this team. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. But when we return, we're going into week 17, the last week of the season already. And there's still high stakes for some teams that want to get into the playoffs and some teams that want to hold their spots, maybe a first round bye. Don't go away. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. And we're back on the 60 Minute Dash. We have we we are going into week 17, but week 16 had a lot of hype, and there's a lot at stake for a lot of these teams. Who's gonna get the first round by? Is it gonna be the Patriots? Or is it going to be one of these other teams? I believe the Houston Texans the are Tex- right there. The Texans. Listen, we're going to start off this segment right away. All right? My game of the week, the only game that I won this week that I knew was going to happen, Philly beat Houston, and the Patriots beat the Bills. So now the Pats have got the number one, the number two seed back. They're, they now have a first-round bye. And the Texans are, are now playing wild card weekend. But that could all change. It all depends on if the little engine that could, the Todd Bowles 
run New York Jets can go into Foxborough and beat New England. Let me tell you, let me tell you, folks, this is going to be a beatdown. The Patriots are going to beat down the Jets. They're going to send Todd Bowles out of a job in rather bad fashion. But the more important thing is, to me, that came out of this game between Houston and Philly, is that Philly's still alive. And this sets up a very interesting matchup because Philly now goes to play the Redskins. I think that they're going to beat the Redskins. But the Vikings need to lose for the Eagles to make the playoffs. And they play the Bears. Do the Bears try this weekend, Nick? Do they try and go and get this second overall seed with the possibility of even if they win and play their hearts out, they still could be playing wild card weekend. All right. Well, that's the same argument for what we said before we came back was with the chargers. You know, they, they have, even if they win, they're still in the fifth seed if the chiefs win as well. Correct. I think that the Chicago should most definitely go for this win. I mean, you have nothing to lose in reality. You know, virtually no reason why you shouldn't try and win this game. You know, you're going up against a division foe, and you want you want to be the bad guys. You want to knock someone out of the playoffs. I mean, do you, would you rather see Minnesota in the playoffs, or would you rather see Philly? I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, Philly, you know, has a, had a substantial second half of the season, but we saw the struggles in the first half. And, you know, they got Nick Foles back at the quarterback position, which I think they should have went with all year. But... There's you got to play all 17 weeks or all 16 weeks for that matter, and so I think to knock Minnesota out of the playoffs would be a huge uh, success for Chicago. And also the Rams don't have an easy opponent in the 49ers. They've been playing hard. Who could have beat the Bears last week if Nick Mullins had just run for that first down run? Nick run, but he didn't. He decided to throw a 45 yard pass that was incomplete, and. The 49ers don't sleep on them. They can beat the Rams. They can do it. So if the 49ers beat the Rams, and the, if the, yeah, if the 49ers beat the Rams, then the Bears win against the Vikings, they're the number two seed. I mean, won't the Vikings feel pretty stupid if the Niners somehow beat the Rams and they laid down against the Vikings? So now they have to play the Vikings again next week? Yeah, 100%. What do they feel stupid? And listen, there's that argument of do you play to win against Minnesota? Do you play to go against Philadelphia because you don't want Philadelphia back in the playoffs? I hear all that. Right now, if I'm Pat Nagy, Matt Nagy, excuse me, I don't know why I always call him Pat, but if I'm if I'm him, I'm telling my boys, guys, let's go. Like, we don't lay down. We can get the number two overall seed, and you guys can all be sitting on your couch next week. Wouldn't that be nice? I say you always got to look out for number one, and right now the Bears can go for that number two spot. I think I can't agree more. You know, you can either rest up your players this week or fight for a chance to rest up your players while other teams are playing in a playoff game. And I think nothing would be a greater value to Chicago, the fan base, the franchise to go out and get a number two seed because no one was expected them to come around. No, no, this was not supposed to happen. It was supposed to be packing Vikes all over again. And that is not what we've seen this year. And, you know, they have, you know, you know, they're in the spotlight right now. You know, they're the hot team out of the NFC. They can beat anybody. They can. I can very much see them in the Super Bowl. Now, and this brings, this brings me to a point. I think the Bears might be the only team capable of going into New Orleans and beating the 100%. Saints. 100%. I said that, that defense. weeks ago. Yes. 
multiple weeks ago, I've mentioned that. We talked about that a couple weeks. We both agree with that. Yes. That's the ultimate goal, I think, as a Chicago Bear, to get that week one by. And, you know, it may not happen. You know, the the Rams can win easily outright. But, hey, game, wouldn't, but it be, wouldn't it be great if somehow you screw a division rival? Wouldn't it be great? Like, that would just be like, hey, we beat the Vikings, boys. Let's go that's on a run. That's one goal, man. Let's that, go on a run. That's 100% what I would be trying to do right now. Because that's also, you can use the argument that that's a divisional opponent and divisional games are not easy. Now, I think that another big important game, and we mentioned it earlier in our show because we had to talk about the Giants, the Indianapolis Colts, because... Yes. Them and the Titans both win their games. Now they go head-to-head in Week 17. Winner takes the number six spot in that wild card. Sunday night football live from Tennessee, and this is by far the best game of the weekend. And it's the biggest game. It's the biggest game because the team that lose, honestly, and we don't know know if Mariota's going to play. That's the struggling part about this because the Colts can win this game Strictly because Blaine Gabbert shoots the Titans in the foot. I mean, listen, I think that, you know, the Titans' success this year hasn't really been one-sided. They're, they've gotten help from all sides of the field, you know, and I haven't seen an outbreak performance by Marcus Mariota this year. He's not a legendary franchise quarterback it no, may be that right. way for Tennessee because the spot that they're in you know they drafted him a few years ago but he's not you know the guy and you know Derrick Henry has had a remarkable three C- weeks yes and he's coming around very well so they've seen a lot of success with that and their defense their defense shut out the Giants and they played well against all these other good teams you know, this past weekend, who did they play again? I believe it was the... Um, the Titans? Yeah, the Titans. They played... Uh, they played the Redskins. The Redskins. You know, that's not an easy feat. And they still came out and won that game. So... I just think I just think the Colts are better, man. They are. No. I think, I think Andrew Luck sees this opportunity. And think about this. The Colts were 1-5. and five. If you're Frank Reich, it, man, it props to Frank Reich. Because he deserves all the credit in the world. Because when you're 1-5, and five, you have all... You have all the room in the world to just roll over and die. And the Colts could be in contention for a top five pick right now. But you know what? They picked themselves up off the mat. That offensive line has not let anybody touch Andrew Luck. And if you give Andrew Luck the time, he is so persistently... Comeback player of the year. He, absolutely. absolutely. I just forget, think that... Forget Deshaun Watson. I think Andrew Luck is your guy for that comeback no, play. Andrew Luck has run away with it. Because I understand that Deshaun Watson tore his ACL... I understand all that. But overall, Andrew Luck, there was doubt that he would play this year. And he came out, and he is just, he's lifted the Colts to a playoff spot. Because remember, everyone the Colts, was saying he was never going to come back and be the same Andrew Luck ever again. The Colts don't have the, the star studded team that the Texans do. The Texans have a fantastic defense, they have a great wide receiver, they have a pretty solid running back in Lamar, in Lamar Miller. They have a team there. The Colts don't really have much. They have an offensive line and Andrew Luck. That's and what T.Y. Hilton. Yes, I understand, oh, but is T.Y. T. Hilton on the same level as DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think nah, so. Probably not, no. I, no. Don't, I don't agree with that. No, but I think the Colts you know, are going to go out and T.Y. Hilton win. has given Andrew Luck a prime target, and you know he utilized him all year very well, and that's part due to his success. And they have that uh, star running back back there too. You, know, you can't take that away from him either. 
Yeah, Marlon Mack's just, been a nice uh, little gem. So, you know, the Colts are a well-rounded team, and I think that they will pull away with this sixth seed, but it's just going to be a really great game to watch because Tennessee is rolling on all cylinders, and, you know, they're going to give them problems. And they got the home field now, advantage at Nissan Stadium. Now, another game that we need to talk about is the New Orleans Saints defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers. This does many things for the playoff picture on both sides because the New Orleans Saints have now locked up the number one seed. It's over. That's done. They they The road to Atlanta goes through New Orleans. But the bigger thing that this does is now the Ravens with the victory over the Chargers set up a win-and-in scenario. The Ravens need to beat the Browns, who the Browns are playing much better. They have only lost two games under Greg Williams, correct? Two. They are flying high, and the Ravens need to go, at least the game's in Baltimore, but they need to beat the Browns, and the Steelers, they are on the ropes now of being eliminated from the playoffs after all this talk last year of, we're going to beat the Patriots, we're going to do this. They got kicked in the Most teeth. Most guys were saying that that was the only team that can beat the Patriots this year. They got, they got kicked in the teeth by the Jaguars last year, and now they're, they are 8-6-1 and one right now, and they're reeling. They need a win and a Brown loss. Who thought at the beginning of the season the Cleveland Browns were going to be holding the Pittsburgh Steelers' fate in Week 17? Who knew that they had the potential to be uh, above 500 team, too? You know, with this win, it'll be the first time that happens since I believe probably 2002, which is a very, very long time, in my, if you ask me. But this ties into a game, and I just want to congratulate Lamar Jackson on a great performance on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, fantastic my win for the Ravens. And, you know, he's really picked up. Five and one. He's really earned himself, you know, that starting job. Um, I laughed when I saw Joe Flacco on the sideline with his helmet on, thinking he's ready to go in. And, you know, his year is done. M- much as well as Eli's is, you know, these two guys, they're veterans. They've been good in their time. But Flacco, it's it's the end of the rope for you. I'm sorry, bud. He still but, has a place in the league, just not in Baltimore. This ties... This game ties into another important game that happened this weekend in Seattle. Yeah. With the Chiefs and Seahawks. Now, that was a huge game and a huge perf- breakout performance by Russell Wilson. That's what, I know, think Russell Wilson doesn't get enough credit. He should he be in does the, not. He should be in the MVP talk right now. Why isn't he? I don't know, dude. And, you know, for what he has on that team, Seahawks got rid of everybody. And it's Doug P- Baldwin hasn't Pete played Carroll. all year. It's Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson against the world right now. And what they've proven this past weekend was that they can beat an elite offense with the lack of defense that they've had all year. And it was just a head-to-head game. And because of this loss, the Chiefs now have to win Week 17 against the Raiders, who is not an easy feat either. Right now, I think the Raiders are playing inspired football. And I understand the Raiders are going on the road into Kansas City, but the Raiders... Don't take them lightly because they do have talent on that team. They, they're they an underachieving team. I still think Derek Carr can play football in this league. And I don't think, and I think John Gruden is going to get these guys up and ready to play. And right now, the Chargers, who do they play? They, that means that they the play Broncos. the Broncos. I don't think the Broncos, the Broncos are dead. Okay. They, Vance Joseph is on the way out. Case Keenum is proving that it was a, he was a one hit wonder. And right now, the, the I got to think the and, Chargers are going to win that game. It's, and Philip Lindsay's not playing. Yes, no Philip Lindsay, no Emmanuel Sanders. That's their top two weapons. And right now, the Chargers got to be mad. 
and they got to see that they can win this game. And if the Chiefs lay an egg in uh, at home, which I don't think they're going to, but they could, no, but, then the Chargers get the number one spot. But that's what I mentioned to you earlier when you asked me if the uh, the Bears should lay down, and I think that this is the same scenario. The Chargers should not lay down in uh, this week because, you know, the Chiefs are a beatable team. They're they a very beatable it. team. You know, they don't have a defense that could withstand, you know, a good offensive performance. And, you know, whether whether it's, uh, you know, what's his face? Patrick Mahomes, you know, is he going to get the job done? So I think that this, you know, playoff picture is going to get real shaken up by the end of week 17. You're listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we come back, though, we're going to give you some NCAA college football playoffs predictions and what we think is going to happen coming up with these four teams. Don't go away. All Noise Radio. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. It's the 60-Minute Dash with your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio forgot to give you our picks on our last segment, so we're gonna, just going to roll by them right now. I went 2-1 last week. My friend Hunter here went 1-2. and two. Of course I did. Wah, wah. I think I'm winning this year, by the way. I, we yeah. haven't kept track of it all, but I believe that I'm winning. Yeah, I'm, I was intending on counting it up after the season. <laughs> I have everything saved. So since we're in time constraints, I'll just roll with my picks for Week 17, the finale. Um, I'm going to pick the Raiders again because I won with them last week and I'm going with them again against the Chiefs because they're the underdogs at plus 14. Really? Really? Yeah, no. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Raiders are going to give them some trouble. And then I also got the Seattle Seahawks, the 12th man at home, favored 13 and a half over the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I just, no. I, it's 13 and a half and I'm going with it. And you know what? The Texans, you know, they have a little bit to play for. I think that they can win. They're not going to get the two seed because I think the uh, the Pats will win as well over the Jets. But the Texans are favored six and a half over the Jags, and I think they're just going to get it done. Simple right. as that. All right. So one thing we also have to mention is that the Cowboys just, they tidied up the East. They won the East. So they're going to be hosting a playoff game wildcard weekend. So here are my, here are my picks. Uh, Nick, I gotta disagree with you. Uh, I'm not. Did you say the Colts are gonna win? Did you? Because I think the Colts are gonna win. I remember you saying that the Titans have the home field advantage at Nissan I Stadium. They had the home field advantage, that, but I never said they're gonna okay. Win. Okay, so we're on the same field. The Colts are gonna go and they're gonna beat the Titans. Okay, it's good. It's as simple as that. They're minus three at Tennessee. They're gonna win this game outright. All right, that is just simple. Andrew Luck is fantastic. Second game, the Eagles are inspired. Nick Foles won them a Super Bowl. Nick Foles won them a bunch of playoff games. Nick Foles is going to win them another big-time game. 
They're favored six and a half points at Washington. I think Washington is dead, and I think the Eagles are going to go out there and they're going to kill the Redskins. Do they get in the playoffs? I don't know. I think that they might. They might, because I think the Bears are actually going to try this weekend. Three, the Raiders, you and me, Nick, think alike, plus 14 at Kansas City. I think that's a lot of points for a team that's been playing well and the Chiefs just lost. Give me the Raiders. But now we're going to shift into the college football playoff as the first game on Saturday, the Cotton Bowl, is going to be Notre Dame and Clemson. And right now, Clemson has a little bit of uh, trouble as they've lost that one of their star defensive tackles in Dexter Lawrence to drug use. Yeah, you know what? I, I like this game a lot. And, you know, for all the right reasons, you know, there's two young quarterbacks. You know, they're both juniors, and they're going head-to-head. The, the numbers speak for themselves, guys. And, you know, these two are going to give you a game to remember. And Notre Dame has played well in their last five games, and they've won big games, and they've won big games big. Hardest schedule in college football. Nobody gives them credit for that. And you know what? I... I know you're a Notre Dame fan, and I'm I'm riding with them right now. I I firmly believe that you know they have a shot to make this happen. They do. You know, they have the right assets to be a competitive team, and you know, give Alabama the trouble that you know they don't see very often. And like you said, Clemson is going in there with without one of their guys, and you know they give they're given way too much credit. I think. Um, you know, they're undefeated, which is very hard to do in football. But I still think that, you know, there's loopholes that the Notre Dame offense can find in this defense. I think one of these teams, when it comes to this game, is very underrated. And that's Notre Dame. You want to know why? Because this defense does not get the credit it deserves. This offense has the playmakers on this team. Ian Book, Miles Boykin, Dexter Williams. There are guys on this offense that nobody gives credit to. I think... Ian Book is going to throw something at Clemson that they haven't seen in the versatile quarterback that can run and throw, and he will grind out yards. He rushes, and he throws his body around, and he's going to want this. And on defense, this defense just doesn't allow points. Drew Tranquil has inspired these guys on defense. The captain of the Notre Dame defense, he will not let this team roll over and die. And a lot of people think Clemson's going to kill Notre Dame in this game. Listen, Clemson's a very fan- they're a fantastic team. Their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, is a great, great player. They have weapons on offense. They have talent on defense. But I think that this game is going to be a tightly contested game. Don't get me wrong. I love Notre Dame, but they're not going to blow out Clemson by any stretch. Clemson is just way too talented for that. I don't think anybody could blow out Clemson. I just think Notre Dame is going to make these simple plays at the end of the day to win them this football game. I think it's just hard to see one of these teams lose. I mean, either team has done it all year. And they've both played good football, so it's hard to find, you know, the weaknesses in both of these teams. So I think it just comes down to who gets the last punch. I, it might it's, be that. It might be. And you know what? Here's the thing is that this team, this game is not just going to be offensive scoring, offensive scoring. There's going to be three and outs. There's going to be ugly turnovers. There's going to be ugly moments of the game where they're grinding out yards. But then there's also going to be play, like chunk plays. That's what college football is. There's going to be a lot of chunk plays in this game. And I just think it's going to be what you said. Who's going to have the ball last with a timeout? You know, down by four points. Who's going to have the ball last? Who's going to drive it into the end zone? That's how I think this game's going to end. I really think it's going to come down to 
who actually makes the most mistakes. Yes. You know, you can't have turnovers. You know, these are good two very good defenses, I believe, that they're side by side with, you know, average points let up per game. Uh Clemson may have the edge on that by a little bit, but it's too like it has to be an in-game observation to see like who's really going to come out with this because it's all about momentum and both like I said both these teams have electrifying players that have breakout games and for me to say that one of these teams is going to beat the other it just wouldn't be right it's it's a very close game to call we we understand that and I think for those people that are taking the at one point this game was at 13 and a half I don't think that this game should be 13 and a half. I think people are very undervaluing Notre Dame, and I don't want to sound like a homer for Notre Dame. Listen, I love the Irish. I'm the first one to say it. I love the Irish. But I just think that they're getting shafted here a little bit. And Clemson's a fantastic football team. Listen, if you're telling me that Clemson's a favorite by four points, go ahead. Clemson, they're the number two team. They deserve to be favored. But 13 and a half, that's a big number. That's too much of a number for me to say that, yeah, that's fair. I just think that this game is going to be something in like the 28-24 range. 35-28, 35-31, somewhere in there. I don't think it's going to get to 40. I think these defenses are strong enough to keep it from that. I just think that, like we said, last drive. But the other game now, the other game, I just think that this game is a mismatch. I think Alabama's offense, I understand two was hurt, but this Alabama offense is too much for this no defense Oklahoma team. It really comes down to if Kyler Murray and this Oklahoma offense can keep this team in it. Because that's really what it is. Can the offense keep them in it? And I don't think they can. It's, you're right. It's a mis- it's a mismatch. And Nick Saban collects these guys very well to, you know, make it every year. And it's just a repeat offense for Alabama. They're going to get in there and go at it again in the national championship because what I see from Oklahoma, I see that them they're going to go in there and they're going to play on their heels a little bit. You know, they're they're excited to play in a college football playoff like this, but the intimidation from Alabama, I think, is just going to be a bit too much for this Oklahoma team who doesn't really see the national championship too much. They got close last year and they got their hearts broken because, again, this team just has no defense. Baker Mayfield threw for how many yards last year? Kyler Murray can throw for how many yards he wants to, but if they can't stop Tua when it counts the most, that's it. Like last year, the biggest moment of the game was Oklahoma was up by they're up by 17 points, and then they let Georgia they squibbed the kick and that and they let Georgia come back and kick a field goal right before the half to only go down 14. That's a big moment in the game. The defense just has no backbone. They just had no time for a big stop. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, without Tula in this game, but that's just the culture of Alabama. They, everybody's in it. They, when one guy is out, the next guy is ready to step in and have a huge game. And I think in this game, you know, much like Nick Foles did in the NFL with Philly last year, this kid's going to come up. And, you know, light up the world. He's going to be able to do what most people don't think that he can do because he's the backup. But with this, I think this is going to be his breakout game and, you know, start getting eyes on him for next year. 
Let's see. I want to look up because two has had a fantastic season this year, and I just think that he's way too much for this Oklahoma team to handle. Oklahoma, realistically, I, some people say they should not even be in this game, and that's a fair point because Ohio State, really, they do deserve a shot at this, but the only reason why Ohio State's not in this game is for the simple reason that they lost to Purdue. That is the big reason why they're not in this game. That loss to Purdue, it's it's harmful. It is. And I think that Oklahoma's only in this game because they their only loss was to Texas. And then they beat Texas again. So I think that's why they're in it. Where Ohio State beat they lost to Purdue in a horrible way, but then they then they came out and beat number four ranked Michigan. They didn't just beat them, they embarrassed them by thirty points. It was it was an embarrassment. And if you ask me, a lot of people have been saying this, and the more I think about it, the more I believe that Ohio State should be in this game. So that's why I think I think Ohio State would have presented a better matchup too, because the NCAA is all about getting the best teams in in this game. I just think that I just think no, that Ohio State belongs here no, over Oklahoma. I just think it's a, it's a mismatch. No, listen, regardless of the matchup, I think with Alabama, you know, I forgot his name before, but I brought it up. Jalen Hurts, he, he's he already proved that he can be the difference maker, and. Um, with that, I think it's enough to say that Alabama already has the edge. I, the quarterback position becomes so important in the NFL, but in college, it's so much more than that, you know, because everything is working at the same time. It's not just a good quarterback, you know. I see a lot of this more in college than uh, the next level where defense wins championships. It's an old saying, it's a cliche, but it's enough. And like you said, Oklahoma does not have that. Oklahoma has given up huge chunk plays and huge outbreaks for many teams, especially Texas this year, where they, when, in, their, in their one loss, they gave up 43 points to a Texas team in their division. And, you know, that hurt them a lot. And I think that's what you're going to see in this game coming up this weekend. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your championship game? My championship game is number one, Alabama. And I want to say so bad Notre Dame because I can see them uh, making a huge upset. And I'm going to have to go with Notre Dame. You're going to see Notre Dame in there. That's right. Fighting Irish with Alabama. But I think um, Alabama is going to win their sixth title under Nick Saban. All right. All right. I can see that. I think it's going to be an Alabama-Notre Dame final. And I think that... I, I want to say Notre Dame's going to win it all, but it's just too hard with how talented Notre with how excuse me how talented Alabama is. I don't take it away. Notre I, Dame is also very talented. I think Notre Dame. Oh, trust me, I know that they're talented. <laughs> I just think I think Notre Dame's going to be able to contend in that game. But overall, I think Alabama is just way too talented. They've been here before, been there, done that. I don't think they're going to blow them out like they did last time, but it's going to be close. Again, it's all with the coaching, man. I think coaching is what helps. Uh, is the reason why they've won six titles under Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban who's done a remarkable job with these guys. He's prepared Jalen Hurts very well. And with that, they're going to be the next uh, national champion. We will definitely see what happens as the college football playoff gets underway Saturday at 4 o'clock. 
You've been listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. We thank you so much, guys, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. All Noise Radio. All Noise. All the time.